episode one. Welcome to this episode of the Prestige-ish Media Podcast. In this episode, we will be covering True Detective Season 2, Episode 1, The Western Book of the Dead. Please note this episode may contain spoilers for the first season of True Detective and through Episode 2 of Season 2. I'll be your host for this episode, Craig Lake. Co-hosting with me for this episode will be Jessica Z and Dan McNair. You can find our show at Prestige Ish Media on Instagram and Prestige underscore Ish on X. You can find me at Real Real Batman on both. You can find Jessica Z at Jobless Dog Mom and Dan McNair at Dan McNair 1017, both on Instagram. We hope you will join us for coming episodes as we cover True Detective seasons one through three on the way to the season four premiere, January 14th on HBO, which we will also be covering. Now, without further ado, here's the episode. All right, are you guys ready to make the flowers? Let's do this. You guys are already making flowers. Welcome to the Prestige-ish Media Podcast. My name is Craig Lake, and I am here with Jessica Z and Dan McNair. Jessica and Dan, how are you guys doing today? I'm great. How about you, Dan? Oh, it's been a day. We may see how this one goes. It's going to be a roller coaster for me. What kind of day? Start at 545. My days off usually don't. Okay. But yeah, no nap, some training, some work, some daughters, some building a cat tower. And now I may play the prestigious drinking game as we go through this. It might be a side quest. Was it the cat tower that got you out of bed? No, it was uh, a work obligation on my day off. That oh, lots fun. of fun. Craig, how are you? How, how was your day, Jessica? Is there? Did you have any excitement besides oh, getting my... barfed on? Oh uh, yeah, dude, that was so much. Okay, it was like she even got like a cushion of the couch that like the part of the sectional that we weren't even sitting on. She got the floor. I was drenched. She was drenched. Eleanor threw up prior to podcast shortly, like an hour before. Go ahead. Yeah, she. Wow. And she's with your kids. Is there like a poncho seating section, like at the (laughs) dolphin show or something? First time that she's grown up. It sounds like we're all having a fantastic day, and then on top (laughs) of it, we had to watch True Detective season two. So this season we're covering True Detective season two. The first episode is called The Western Book of the Dead. Dan, fill in later if you can, but do you have any clue why this would have been called The Western Book of the Dead as our episode naming expert? I, you know, I was really trying to dig into that through the course of the episode. Like, where's the tie-in? What's this mean? And frustratingly enough, it just seemed like nonsense to me. I mean, it was the western side of the country and somebody died. That's as close as I can get. The season, full season, was written by Nick Pizzolatto, as was the first season. But the difference in this season, Fukunaga, who had directed every episode in the last season, parted ways with him this season. So the first two episodes were directed by Justin Lin of Fast and the Furious fame. I would say that the directing change was obvious. Did you happen to notice the the differences between season one and season two, Dan? Or how would you describe it on first watch? I did feel like there was a little bit of the 
Fast and the Furious, it didn't seem necessarily as artistic to me. I did enjoy a lot of the overhead shots, like coastal highways and stuff like that. I thought that was good establishing. Some of the writing seemed a little cheesier. I don't know if the directing had a lot to do with that, but, you know, I'm not as down as this as the general public seems to be. So we'll have to see. Jessica, what was your take on, you know, just before we get into ranking the episode, moving from season one to season two? Ranking? No, just what were your thoughts? Was it jarring to you? Oh. Did you think it was a significant difference? Like, yeah, how did you feel was, going like, night from one to day. two? Like, it was very, like, you had the narration and everything from, not really narrated, I don't think so, but you had the conversation between Marty and Russ. Right. Telling you everything along the way. And then this, I'm just, it's so many people, so many storylines, perhaps many plots. I don't know. I find the way this one was shot and written. I mean, I was surprised that it was written by the same person. So I've quit on this season twice previously in the first episode. Wow. If I was not forced to watch it, I might have bailed. But... Having got through the full first episode, and I do think the second half kind of picks up a little more than the first half. And I actually, getting a little ahead, but enjoyed episode two. And then now I'm on my rewatch of episode one. And then having understood where we are in the bearings and who some of the characters are better, it was a much more enjoyable watch on the second watch. But I think to Jessica's point, I think the first episode, even though you have the time jump is a little, you know, confusing and how they edit the episode, you know, what part of- Is there a time? There is a time jump, right? Yeah, because in in the first one, you have both Russ Cole time jumps and stuff. But in the second season. In the second season, the only real time jump we get is the time jump with young Ray, which we'll talk about early. Why why doesn't he look like old Ray? Because it's young Ray. I mean, it's just a bad wig would be my commentary there. I thought he had a completely different face. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely different. But anyway, I guess my point is, I thought it was jarring and there were a ton of characters. What To me, what I think it speaks more to is like the writer already had a lot of leeway in season one. And there were some things that we thought were a little wonky that seemed to be writer's decisions. And I think after the success of season one, he had full reign over season two. And I think he could have used some assistance. I think all the good, I think all the pieces are there, but I think the way they fed you the story, it just was not to me viewer friendly. Let's rank it. Dan, what did you give this first episode? You know, I actually liked this first episode more than the first episode of season one. So I'm maybe the unicorn in the room, but it felt uh... initially like a stronger group of actors or a group of actors that I identified with a little bit more. I enjoyed the setting a little bit more. And even though all these different storylines seem kind of disjointed, um, that didn't really put me off. It sounds like the same way that it puts you off. So I went with a 7.2. I believe I was 7.0 for the first one last year. Big dog in the house. Jessica, what do you give this first episode? Four. Oh, I don't like it, Dan. So <laughs> All right, I'm going to give this three ratings. 
I was at first prepared on first watch to give this a one. I was also prepared to say I think it's the worst first episode of any second season in the history of television. I, at the beginning of my second watch, was up to a three. And after finishing my second watch, I think I'm going to sit around a five or seven. But I do think both just the, do you not think, I guess the question for you, Dan, so far is, and it's okay that it's different. Like when you know you're watching American Horse Story, you know every season's going to be totally different. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, I knew it was going to be a different season, different detectives, but I was like, I was kind of expecting it, I guess, in the same universe. And I feel like this isn't the same world. Like it's almost like a different show. So I guess another conversation would be like, I still think they did too much with too many people in the first episode. But if this was like, false detective season one i don't think it would have been as jarring is that does that make sense coming from that position yeah it seems like i kind of knew that this would be a completely separate story but maybe back in 2014 or whenever the viewing public wasn't ready or expecting that yeah i mean i was except i was expecting symbols or like the yellow kings in la or this there's this underground world i mean you see similar like similar levels of like corruption or something but there's no at this point thus far there's no like through line that connects you really to the other universe and i just don't think i was prepared for it but separately from that i just think we got way too many characters in the first episode in jumps to understand who these people were, which it does make sense to me. You said in season one, you were a little, you weren't tracking all of them. And so I think it's just different styles, different things that people relate to. So the opening song on this is Nevermind by Leonard Cohen. Um, It's also the worst introduction of any season. Okay, so Dan, you're saying thumbs down? Uh, I didn't enjoy the song and the intro song in season one, but no, this is a step even backwards from that. And Jessica, you're saying worse than season one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I think I actually like the song more. So I will be the. Stop the podcast now. Uh, (laughs) It's so bad. Are you serious? My kids were were obsessed with the season one one. Uh Like when that would come on, they would just start rocking. They would just start getting ready for the Yellow King. Yeah, I don't know. They would just start like rocking, you know, maybe like twerk a little or whatever that little dance move is that they do. And this one, no, they don't get excited for this. Well, let's get into this thing. So we open up. Do we think those are property markers? There's these sticks with flags, but they're all right next to each other. I didn't know if they were like grave markers or something. I didn't know. Did you have a take on that, Dan? No, it was a, a quick shot. And it didn't really seem to get referenced again. Yeah, it just so, flashed right to the kid in the car, right? Yeah, it was a really weird establishing first thing. So I'm assuming it gets revisited at some point, but that didn't make any sense. To me. I thought um, it was like unmarked graves. Yeah, I really wasn't sure. I was very confused by it. I wasn't sure if they were like dividing the rail parcels that way, but you would think they would be more split up. Yeah, because these um, were like pretty close together. Yeah, yeah, it makes I, me think of like when they're doing a Veterans Day thing and they plant a bunch of flags close together to kind of say, you know, these are representative of everybody from this county that went to, you know, Vietnam or something like that. 
Yeah, that it it does remind me of that, but I just I but usually it's something more ornate than like a stick with a plastic flag on it. So what if it's um, trees? Yeah, I didn't really know what was going on. So we open up with our boy Ray, played by Colin Farrell. We open up with Ray in what's the proper word for the size of his son? Am I allowed to fat shame him, Jessica? I'll defer to you first. No, he's a child. Uh, I think with a male child, you say husky. Husky. Okay. So with his husky son, Chad is his name. Giga Jeez. Chad. <laughs> um, they're in the car. He's mentioning he's got like a camping trip with his mom coming up. He mentions, I think that he got him some shoes. Do they specifically say Nikes or no? Just like he got him some shoes. I don't they know. They specifically if say Nikes say later, right? Yeah. Okay. And he kind of ends that with, I love you, bud, be proud. What was your take just on that first scene with him, Dan? It kind of seemed to me like he was like a wholesome scene to start. What was your take? I think we all agree. First off, there's no resemblance between the two actors. So the sales pitch of this is his son. I wasn't buying that from square one. Yeah, that, that was terrible. I'm wondering like, is this not a legitimate thing or is this kid actor like the producer's son or something what Uh, was your take on old chad jessica yeah i was like why would they choose this kid to be his son but then you understand but at first i'm just like this is stupid this is not (laughs) yeah i mean i think they should have so firstly i got a text from Jessica, I feel like immediately on this is not his son as soon as you started watching it. And then in our group text when we were preparing for today that Dan commented on that pretty quickly. But I think it's almost takes you out of the story because I feel like like even if you're supposed to question his parentage, if they would have just made it a little closer, it would have been nice. But yeah, definitely an interesting casting choice. Now we know and then we kind of understand, you know, what he's had to live with forever. Yeah, for sure. So then the next scene, we get uh, Ray talking to his lawyer about his wife being raped while pregnant. They say he thinks she was already pregnant. But then the lawyer's kind of doing like cross-examining with him. So she says, you guys had been trying for a while. This was nine months after just kind of questioning, you know, if how that's possible. They've been trying forever. And then right after she's raped, nine months later, she's pregnant. They kind of confirm that they've never caught the guy. They ask about him, his relationship with his son. He says the relationship is fairly good. They've got digital recorders that they exchange messages on. He also mentions that I raised him alone for two months when she took off. So that's a question mark early when I was watching it. Yeah, they didn't really um, elaborate on that further. Do they? Yeah, I'm going to assume. Let me come back to this when we get to the next episode, because I want to make sure you guys have the same understanding I do before I explain when I think this two months might have happened. Well, let's jump to it now because we're going to mention there might be spoilers from episodes one and two. So in the next episode, when he's talking to his wife and she's talking about maybe taking back custody, he mentions the things that he did for her. We've obviously seen he's got the picture. You know, he got the contact information of the supposed rapist from Frank. Frank talks about in episode two about him you know, having to dispose of a body for him. So we're all on the same page as to what that means, correct? 
Oh, now we are. <laughs> Dan, is, did, yeah. were you putting all that together? It seems like a pretty straightforward fill in the blank. They might not show it, but they dance all around it. Well, and so then when he's talking to his wife and he's the things I've done for you and she's, you didn't do that for me. You did that for you. So at first, first pass on this, I was thinking like, oh, she left him, what's going on or whatever. But it's, I think when she found out that he had done that, she probably left for two months would be my guess. Well, why would she leave the kid if she was like, I'm leaving because you're a killer? That's very questionable, but maybe, you know, we're seeing that he's very attached You're to this kid. You're dangerous. Maybe. Here's my baby. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, maybe he wouldn't wasn't willing to part with the kid and she was scared for multiple reasons. I mean, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt on maybe that one. Maybe she, like, went to the hospital or something for, like, depression or something. Well, and he's a cop, so it's you're going to take a upstanding cop's kid without explanation if she kidnaps the kid. I feel like the only option if he's threatening her so we'll get into it a little bit more that's why cops wives always stay so he's saying that he doesn't want a paternity test my son is my son we end the scene where he gives her a bunch of cash and asks her to basically take care of it is your processing this scene early dan what was your take on the whole situation it's the first time we find out about the rape we're dealing with you know him exchanging cash you know, some of these different things. What was your take on all this? Yeah, he's, it seems to me he's capable of unraveling similar to Rust, where it seems like this kid is like main tether, sanity and order. And the whole paternity test thing he kind of reacts to. So it seems like a real dicey situation. And the way that he just throws cash at it. And what we've kind of learned with his Frank interaction is he's not, He doesn't seem to be afraid to break a few rules to get his version of justice. Jessica, what was your take first learning out about the rape and the situation with the lawyer? I didn't understand what they were. Wait, so did they like, I didn't know why he was being interrogated or being prepared for court or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, for the lawyer, right? Because they're going to ask you and they're not going to be as nice about it. Because they're going to have, like, potential, like, custody conversations. Oh, is that what this is? I think so. Is that how you took it, Dan? Yeah, because she did say that she would... She even said she would request a paternity test, which I don't think matters because he's been, like, his dad this whole time, so I don't think a paternity test would do anything. Well, I think if you're trying to remove custody, I think it does kind of help probably put the final nail in the coffin. I don't know California. No, if he's on the birth certificate, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, I would. I don't know what California law is. Unless that, well, the kid's old enough to be like. I'm gonna take. I don't the premise want to see that, the, that this threat is valid. So, separate question for you first, Jessica. What would you do if you were in this situation? Because if, if understanding the mom is potentially trying to take custody, you know, threatening this paternity test for your son to find out he's potem- potentially a child of rape. Well, um, we know that he is, and they know that he is. That's why I mean, Ray there's... gets so upset every time, both times that a paternity test was mentioned. Let's talk in a world where we don't exactly know, but let's say that it's but like, likely. That's why they chose that kid so that we would uh, know. Let's say that it's likely that's what happened is that he's a son of rape. Would you put your kid through that? I guess is my question. If this, if my kid was begging to not have to see his dad anymore and this was the only way, then yeah, I mean, the kid 
has eyes. He can look at his dad and be like, okay, we're not related. What's your thoughts on that, Dan? I mean, I would have some concern. It would be a last resort for me to put my kid through that, I feel like. Well, and I don't know that I entirely understand the process. I think kids are really protected in the courtroom quite a bit. So they might not hear some of the back and forth and just be brought in for certain questioning. But if you're concerned about this kid's self-image and you see this detective character acting out, being violent and doing things like that, it might actually help the kid's future to say, you don't have any of those genes. Yeah, I think when we get later, when we see how violent he is and we see to what extremes he's willing to go to, it's a lot, makes a lot more sense. But early in this scene, we've really only seen, the only hint we have early that he's this bad of a character is the cash he throws about the table, which doesn't make somebody inherently bad other than he's a cop. Like, I'd feel better if he's like a business owner, but when a cop's throwing cash around the table, probably not a great sign Well, and basically telling her not to pay taxes. I mean, (laughs) just throw that line out there too. Yeah. Yeah, Well, and it also gives her like more reason to accept it and not question it. Yeah, well, and there's just obviously the literal action of just kind of throwing money at his problems as well, which I think you mentioned early on, Dan. So we find out that he was at a previous police department before he's in now the Vinci PD. She kind of asks if they're going to find anything out from that. And his exact quote is, I welcome judgment, which I think was relevant. We then see a young Ray who meets Frank, played by Vince Vaughn, Frank passes him a lead of the person who he says hurt his wife. He says, some things don't stand. Ray is apprehensive. He's kind of asking if there's going to be like favors asked for this. Frank doesn't explicitly at this time say that there will be. What was your take on seeing Frank for the first time? Jessica, do you want to now cover how you didn't think Ray looked like the same person? Any thoughts on this flashback? Did every scene with frank i would say 80 percent of his scenes are just so boring that i can't even pay attention is that why you want to marry I think him because it's they've got that the, the bar is all dark and i don't know i don't know i just very hard to pay attention so you were not impressed by frank's performance jessica it was just like boring i don't know he was or just Vince boring performance, I guess. i'm used to him being funny Dan, what was your take on this first showing of Frank? So hopefully I don't tangent too much here, but we've got these two actors that at different parts in their career I've liked a lot in a bar. So I want to do a question out there, kind of to hail back to True Detective season one, Colin Farrell or Vince Vaughn. Before we go hanging out with. Can you answer first, Dan? Do you like both actors and who do you, who would you pick? I think they both peaked way early in their career and it's been nothing but downhill since. I would, I'm sitting in front of a Vince Vaughn poster, so I kind of have to. Wait, really? That's him? Oh my goodness. It's a good watch. Jessica, so who would you pick? At a bar and oh, Vince how Vaughn. do you feel about uh, Vince Vaughn, okay. 100%. What movies do you like Colin Farrell in, Dan? First time in Minority Report. Okay. And he was awesome in that. And I really enjoyed the movie. And then Phone Booth was pretty good too. Okay. But he has really kind of fallen out recently, as far as I'm aware, of just the type of things that I watch. When do you think Vince But Vaughn you were Vince Vaughn at a bar too, right, Dan? Yes. 
Yeah, I think Vince Vaughn's the obvious answer. He's a lot more affable. I need um, to know when you think Vince Vaughn peak. Old school. No way. Dude, Wedding Crashers I, and did, Dodgeball. Yeah, yeah, both after. And actually, I don't know if you guys watched this, but there a couple years ago, he came out with a movie Freaky. He started in that. Is and it, it like that fake really Freaky funny. Friday? It was really funny. It was like a really good movie. Wasn't it supposed to be like Scary Freaky Friday? Is that what it was supposed no, to be? It, it was supposed to be like comedy horror like not actual horror but horror freaky friday of sorts yeah family friendly go ahead dan scary movie so to me vince vaughn doesn't act he's one of those people Keanu like, that's why freaky was so good because i was like this is he his does, best acting he he's just ever plays done vince vaughn in every movie but he doesn't in freaky that's why it was so freaky so i do <laughs> think did you guys both see daredevil or no because he plays a... Wait, I don't want to give it away. Wait, well, the original one? We can only go so what long movie? on Freaky Friday or we'll die. But it is <laughs> very well Freaky noted. Friday. It's just freaky and it's really good. And if you don't watch it tomorrow, I'll die. I'll watch it this weekend if you remind me. That's um, a really healthy threat. So did you guys both see Daredevil or no? What is The that? original? Is that real? TV show. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So... I think he has a little bit in this series. It's definitely not as menacing, but there's, is, is the other guy, and I think he's like a dollar general Vince Vaughn anyway. It's, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Vincent D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. I thought this would be a good role for him. So, but what I'll say is obviously he's very well praised for what he did in Daredevil. I think he's a lot more darker and menacing. Like I think Vincent D'Onofrio does like a better job at that. But I think Vince Vaughn will get through the series and see what you guys think. But I was interested to see how he did. I will say this. I think there's many flat performances in this first episode, too. I actually feel like the acting's better as they go. I almost was wondering if they recorded these episodes, if they filmed in the order of the show. Or at it's least like they filmed the first episode first. Because I, I definitely felt Rachel McAdams was very wooden in this episode. Um, there were just a few that felt flat, and we can include him or not. But I think early, I do agree that it's a little bit one note, though, Dan. So I think you're right there. And if that's how you're judging him, I am a big Vince Vaughn fan. I picked Vince Vaughn. There's nothing I really like Colin Farrell in. I think if you did ask me before... I think I I'd, I got an IMDb. I know their stuff and I know Phone Booth for sure. It's a great movie. It's a little racist for me. I haven't engaged in that yet. <laughs> Way to pick apart a title. <laughs> but anyway, I like Colin Farrell better after what I've seen in the show. I will say that. So we get Frank in his current time frame. Not a big difference in character for Frank for sure from old to new character. He's preparing for a meeting, kind of getting dressed. This is the debut of his snaggle-lipped wife, Jordan. Did you have any opinions on his wife early, Dan? Well, I recognized her as the most toxic character on TV from another show, and I immediately felt the buy it, the gag reflex. Jessica, how did you feel about Frank's wife? Bad wig. I couldn't hear a word she said because I was like, her hair looks awful. Yeah. And I feel bad if she really does have a cleft palate or something, but I couldn't tell. It was very 
bothering. And she looks a little bit about my dad's most recent, looks a little like my dad's recent ex-wife, rich man's version. And that was kind of bothering me. So we see Frank at his casino. He's discussing meeting prep. We get our first introduction to Blake, who's kind of his right right-hand man, maybe outside of the guy that's dead. I don't know if that is was or is. I would assume because he's handling his money, he was. But at this point, Blake's his right-hand man. We hear about a guy named Osip who's coming to town. We get a quote from Frank where he talks about not looking hungry. I think he said, don't look hungry even if you're eating. I'm pretty sure. We find out there's some sort of article on corruption, which he says to get Volcaro on it, which is Ray. Any other thoughts on that scene, Jessica? Dan? No, I don't think there's I anything just, important there, but... No, just... I mean, it's weird that you see Frank kind of more trying to do the legitimate businessman, even though you know where he's been, and having this half-assed casino under his belt seemed like par for the course. Yeah, I think I, I definitely take that away in the first few Frank current timeline scenes for sure. It does seem like he's making that effort to become legitimate. And that I think is what we see in the show is that struggle and where it goes. So we see what we later find out is the dead body of Casper in the car with a car mask next to it. But initially, you don't really know what it is on first watch. We find out at the end of the episode that he was dead. So this is him being weekended at Bernie's to the eventual crime scene is what we're to assume. Um, but they're taking him during the day, which makes me wonder, like, how long was he sitting there before anyone found him? But whatever. Our next introduction is to Annie Bezaridis, which is Rachel McAdams character. She's getting out of bed with a gentleman and there's a bunch of weird knife books on the table. And then I did look up the one specific title that we saw because I know that research is important to you, Dan. The book was Haga Kure. It is a Japanese book meaning hidden by the leaves or hidden leaves. And it's Ooh. a practical and spiritual guide for a warrior. So, Okay. Aside from the knife Good homework there. Yeah, just sliding that in there. So she's sleeping with a fellow cop who didn't want to do something sexual with her. Well, I think he was was willing. He was just surprised. Well, he said, I wasn't ready. Do you like that? She says, I think sometimes. And he's, I didn't think most women like that. What do you think that he she wanted him to do, Jessica? I had no idea. (laughs) I was like, what are they talking about? I'm like... Do you think, like, if you had to guess under your head, what's your first guess? Well, I don't want to say it first. Do you think she was? What are you (laughs) thinking? (laughs) The listeners are really. I think you just mouthed, like, eating ass. Is that the guess? Was that? Licking her butthole. Okay. What were you thinking? (laughs) I was thinking more wanted him to restrain her or something maybe with like handcuffs or paraphernalia but i would think he wouldn't be shocked by that but maybe because it was so like early in their thing you know dan what was your guess uh, the correct answer guys is choking either i, choking I just or smacking her around if it was choking or that i think it just had to be like so aggressive like she asked him. for it because i don't think choke like i don't think choking is as shocking but like really aggressive choking maybe 
Or yeah, maybe her wanting to be like slapped around early would be more shocking. All right, the mystery remains, I suppose. But it seemed like she did something and then he was like, whoa. For our listeners, please ring eating ass, restraints, or choking. Can we put up <laughs> a poll? We need polls. Uh, yeah, e- message us I'll at Prestigious on Media X on Instagram. And on choking, Instagram. butthole licking, or restraints. And Minority Report is not racist. True or false? <laughs> so... We kind of see she doesn't really <laughs> want to talk about stuff. She just tells him to get his stuff and go. Um, they crash what Jessica calls the OnlyFans house. But at this time, it was just the webcam house. Specific quote from Bezaridas: You running hookers in here? We f- Or no, I think just you running hookers, question mark. We how, find many out that- you ever- how many of you are American? <laughs> we see that her sister works there which I thought was pretty coincidental, but also possible she tracked it because of oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, right? We I find out her- thing was a huge abuse of power. Yeah, she was looking for her sister. Or probably knew where her sister was. Maybe, I don't know, but I don't see her intentionally trying to, because she kind of infers there'd be some issue if she got another charge on her. So I think I would stop short of saying she would, but maybe she thought she could get her off, but get everybody else charged. I don't know. No, she um, just wanted to get her sister out of there. She didn't care about all the other girls. Well, I her think sister. she thought there were worse things going on there than actually were. Yeah. She yeah, thought for there sure was that. actual crime. kind of blew up in her face. Oh, but for there sure. weren't really any like repercussions an for it that we saw. But I'm just trying to figure out if it was worse and her sister was there and she can't get charges on her question mark what good that does her sister but her sister does say to her which her sister's name is athena for those keeping score i'm pretty sure she says to bezaritas when you walk it's like a racer's clapping anybody want to give me an explanation with that is it like her butt's so tight it claps but that doesn't make sense to me what does that mean anybody got a stab i had no idea. idea okay i was hoping somebody else could help me with that this is where she says, you take another bust, she's going to get in trouble. And she's like, you take another bust, and she's, what, masturbating? Apparently, the da- the sister is clean now. Annie says, maybe you should get on something. What was your first take of this sister relationship, Jessica? They certainly are very different. Her you... sister definitely takes after her dad. <laughs> what was your take on this scene, Dan? Yeah, it, as much as I enjoy Rachel McAdams, it seemed like she kind of crapped the bed here. I'm trying to figure out what her name is short for. Rachel. Uh, I no. only saw it as uh, Annie on IMDb, and I couldn't have told you what her name was before I looked it up besides Bezaritas. I thought it was short for another goddess, like Athena. Annabelle. Oh, okay. And something else. Um, Annabelle, the goddess of dolls. Yeah, I'll have to look that up, but that does make sense. That would be the case based on her weird-ass dad. Yeah. So we see Ray with Da Vinci PD. This is where he finds out Casper is missing. The African-American gentleman is Chief Holloway for those keeping track at home. And the other guy is Lieutenant Kevin uh burris but even if you're watching they're only referred to as chief and lieutenant and i don't know how you would remember who is who's so that's why i'm giving descriptors on that they say he's supposed to partner with teague dixon 
which he's already questioning. So it's not like the previous situation where he already had a partner. They're like, you're going to partner with this guy on that. Now we transfer to Officer Paul Woodrow. Is it Woodrow, I think? Yeah, it's Woodrow. I thought it was Woodruff. It's something's going on with the wood. And it's yeah. not good. Well, something's not going on with the wood. <laughs> the wood is not good. Uh, who is played by Taylor Kirsch, who I feel like that's another guy who I've heard of and like you would think would be in 80 things you've seen. But I really, when I look at his IMDb, there's not as many things that I've seen him in. And then I think there's like other people he reminds me of. Do you remember who played Robocop and the new Robocop? I think he always. There was a new Robocop? There was. I think I always think that he's that guy. Let me see if I can come up with it. He was a guy in Suicide Squad. I don't, I didn't really know this Jared Leto. No, hang Oh, I googled Robot Cop, so that doesn't help. The 2014, oh, Joel Kinnaman. I think I always think they're the same person whenever I hear Taylor Kirsch, but yeah, I don't really know him that well. Speaking of the town of Vinci, not a real town. Right. Did anybody do any homework on that? I did not. Do you have any other Vinci fill-in? It's based on a real town in okay. the L.A. basin called Vernon, I believe. Okay. And it's in L.A., but it's an industrial area. And it's a township of only 95 people with a weird history. Since the 40s, the mayor has all come from one particular family. Okay. And there's lots of corruption and people disappearing and like fraudulent voter claims and stuff like that so so it's definitely a dead ripoff then yeah it, that's of that city what was implied yeah jessica do you want to say, show, share your newly found greek information not the butthole licking but the name <laughs> um, well, i guess there's out. i guess there's somebody called Bonnie. Ani, well, it's A-N-K-E. Is that how you pronounce oh, it? Then? that one. Well, no, the second one was just A-N-I. Okay, so that's probably it. I was guessing Ani because it's a dude. But I mean, it has to be. Would, would he you, is the I god would, of the yeah. sky who lives in the heavens. Are you saying Ani is a dude or a chick? Ani's a dude. Okay. The Ananki or whatever. It can't be that one. Let's skip to Ani. Anarchy? Let's let's go to the meat. Ani <laughs> is the god of the sky who lives in the heavens. Well, the other one's a chick. He's okay, linked yeah. to a god of the crossroad. He's shown to have two faces. Roman's counterpart, Janus. No, Janus. But I had to because all the butthole talk. <laughs> right. So back to the real world. Officer Woodrow pulls over an actress who offers basically a trade of services. Woodruff. It's got to be Woodrow, isn't it? Is it Woodruff? It's got to be Woodrow. I know be Woodrow. Right? Sure. I, I'm pretty sure knowing, it's Woodrow. With this character, I, I can't get past well, it. Well, Woodruff would make sense, it's too. I feel like they're Woodruff. both names. It, I'm 99.99999% sure it's Woodrow. Because they pronounce it a lot more as we go. Why I'm pretty sure. He's a Accused of soliciting a blowjob from the actress. He's put on leave. This is where we hear the first talk of Black Mountain work. He's asking the other, like his boss, do you know how hard they're looking? And then we find out that regardless of his leave of absence, this guy really wants to be on the bike when he gets back. Aside, Name aside, Dan, what was your take on old Paul? We'll go to Paul for now. Yeah, well, I didn't for a minute, based on the interaction with his girlfriend, 
think that the, the solicitation had any merit because I didn't really think that's something he was capable of. <laughs> so automatically I just, you know, did a naysay on that. And, you know, a little flashback to chips from my childhood. This guy really likes his motorcycle and that, you know, he seems a little two-dimensional to me. It was a soft serve crime, Dan. Did you believe this accusation, Jessica? Any thoughts on Officer Paul Early? No, I didn't believe it. I thought they were, they, it was pretty clear when they filmed it that he was not interested in anything she was proposing. He was not a Marty in this, that's for sure. Oh, Marty would have been like, oh, we don't need to go anywhere. We can do it right here. Yeah, Marty would be like, that backseat looks good. <laughs> Yeah. Do you have a do you have a younger sister? <laughs> so we moved to Frank doing the presentation on the railway opportunity. It seems like Casper's supposed to present and he's missing at this point. This is where I think we get our first shot of Mayor Chasani and his young lady wife. We skip back from there and Dixon and Ray are interviewing Ben Casper's assistant. She's only had the job six weeks. They ask if there's been any bad blood or enemies. Um, she says that Casper holds a lot of purse strings to a lot of different things. They ask for addresses to his properties, at which point they show up at Casper's house. It looks like it's been tossed, and there's lots of horny artwork. Um, Dan, any thoughts on the horny artwork or, or any of this we're talking about now? Yeah, I thought that was kind of like which you'd expect to find at the sickest stepdad's house. I thought it was interesting, Frank's pitch. Wasn't he talking about like the bullet train for the Central Valley? Yeah, so I, so I mean, the basic pitch that I understood was there's going to be like a lot of government money in this and there's going to be like overages are already approved. I thought Which it was is like funny because that's a real project that's like the most laughable public works project as far as like just throwing money at something stupid. And there's parts of the Central Valley where you drive through where there will be like tracks for this mysterious bullet train. It's a real thing. And so to see way back in when this was filmed that like the tie-in between reality and fiction here was just like an interesting marker for me. You guys should look up the uh, fast ferry that Rochester, New York had to Toronto. Yeah, they put a ton of money into building a port for it and bringing, you know, convincing businesses to open up at the port and they paid for the ferry and everything. And that I think ran for maybe two years, but I don't know. And the first year it just never got any customers because there's no one really, there's no one commuting from Rochester to Toronto. It's only tourism and people aren't going to, I don't who's Frank was behind that bad idea too. When you can drive in three hours, why well, are you gonna take a here here's a, a question so and not have a car? We have an alleged railway here that's supposed to go down at some point from Vegas to LA. Dan, you kind of know what that some of that traffic looks like. Yeah. I would think that would though. I feel like that one would be more valid. I'm interested in that. It's supposed to let off. They're trying to plan an NBA arena right by where it lets off. So if you can take that from LA to Vegas and avoid that traffic, I mean, I think that one might be more successful. There's one in 
Florida, Jessica, I think from Orlando to Miami. Yeah, they just did that in the past year, right? Yeah, I mean, I think those are two more relevant ones. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I just don't know what the traffic is, Dan. Like, I'm sure right around like San Jose, San Francisco, it's terrible and around LA, but all that in between, there's probably I swear the bright line easier traffic, someone right? like once a day in Florida. Yeah. Well, and I don't think the areas that it's servicing are large enough population centers to justify the pro- the cost of the project and like the overhead and uh a lot of the inflation has just made it ridiculous, but there's a stubbornness to just see it through, even though it's like a torched idea. What were your opinions on the sexy artwork, Jessica? Up to and including the nude lady in a bowl, I guess is what that was. I didn't even, I didn't even. You didn't have any favorites? I was surprised because like we see how old Ben Casper was. And like, I was expecting like a guy in his forties or fifties, you know, like a little bit of a younger guy, but, and I don't know how old Ben was, but he looked fucking 80. You're never too old that, that's ageism women. right there. I, under- I underrated his horniest. Well, Every I just think Craig discriminates. I have to drink. This is the <laughs> true, true detective podcast drinking game. Don't forget Play to along at home for that that minority report or whatever take a sip for that too all right every time time dan says a racist movie title we drink so we see frank at the after presenting the rail line he's talking with osep and his attorney we go back to bezaritas and her partner i think she was evicting somebody is that what was supposedly happening at that house this is where she finds out about the missing sister vera but they're like, I'm, we just have to serve the papers. Is that what we think was happening? It, yeah. To your point about it being a scattered first episode, like she's trying to bust this webcam operation that could be hookers. And then 10 minutes later, you know, she's evicting somebody. And it seems an awful lot of different non-related things for one cop to be doing. And we're um, jumping, like, I thought maybe that's like a constable thing or something. Yeah, you and, would like, think that she'd have to go back and do some paperwork about, you know. Yeah. Well, it was a little bit Slot, of a you know? plot to, like, this, it, the only thing that really serves the story, I think, is to steer towards this reunion. Yeah, I mean, it gets to a point of serving the story, and I think a lot of these things do, but I just don't know of the fast and furious nature we're getting all these pieces and how we're jumping. Give us the train presentation scene all in one, then give us this scene. I just think it's so much jumping before you even know who these people are. And let me say one other thing. If if you didn't know who these actors were, and I think this is a point you made, Dan, because you like some of these guys, but if you didn't know who Frank was, if you didn't know who Rachel McAdams was, if you didn't know these guys, I think it would be even more disorienting because if, if they're nameless people, I could only orient, I could only orient myself by the name actors as the only I agree. I could not keep track of that bike cop because I felt like he looked different in different scenes. And I'm like, okay, is that the same one? But at least I know who Vince Vaughn is. And so I know it's always him. Might not know uh, what year it is, but I know it's him. The cop was definitely hat fishing a little bit. What were you going to say, Dan? Yeah, I think, well, star power is something that'll get you to watch a lot of things. And that at least got me into this season, even though I don't know if the performances were strong enough to match my expectations for them. 
I think um, that Rachel McAdams' character could have just gone to her dad and then their conversation would have explained the sister doing that and she wouldn't have even needed to raid the house. But I guess it shows us that like she does uh, sort of go above what she's supposed to be doing to suit her own needs, but her own agenda. But early, I was like, how are so many things tied to her? Personally, it was a little bit of a... She's like the only cop in the city. (laughs) With Ventura PD. It's got to be a small department. I was just saying, didn't she have three partners in the same day or something? I was... I don't know. I think there's just the one, but the way the day ends is kind of weird. So. Wasn't she yeah, Ray's you don't partner? really notice him in the first scene, but in the second scene, they kind of like he's more visible in the but second then wasn't scene to she me. Ray's partner right. later? No, well, Ray's well, that partner is like the drunken me. Oliver Platt guy that just like fumbles around comically. Yeah, and even that wasn't his like common partner. They put him on him like literally as we're starting this. They're like, oh, you're with this guy now, and he's a so, cartoon. So the point, I guess, of this scene, one of the points of this scene, aside from the fact that Bear is missing, missing, is that we find out she was working at a religious place slash institute, which he immediately guesses is Panta... What was it? Pentacapium? Pentacapium. Something like that. Institute, which no matter how many times I tried to spell it, like I got auto-corrected. It sounded good when Dan said it. Say it again. I'm I'm doing my best. Well, (laughs) paramecium was what I was going to say, but Pantacapium. It's yeah. Is their version. I don't know. A lot of Greek stuff. I don't understand the tie, but whatever. So I mean it's gotta be something with that Ooh, dad. Being what if they had John Stamos instead of Vince Vaughn? He's Greek. So Frank, I think this is actually where Frank specifically presents the big money government project on the railway. I guess he was trying to get more investors because like we're led to believe he's bought a parcel. So is he just trying to get more people to go in with him to buy more parcels, Dan? Is that what we think's happening? Yeah, well, he needs money. He's looking for investors. And then there's this other guy coming in that seems to be like a real pivotal point for his whole operation. Maybe if it's sold in the Vinci area, the mayor gets a kickback from the land sale and he's like doing part of it for the mayor. And that's why the mayor is there. I don't totally understand that when he's buying his own parcels or they do mention he's getting like a special rate on his parcel so maybe he's getting like the markups on his special rate if he can get it in by a certain time frame but i don't think that's ever clear to me what the fuck happened there so now bezaridas visits the pantacapium which turns out to be her dad's place who is Spouting quotes from his pal, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Did you catch that, Dan? I didn't catch that, but the actor that plays the dad, David Morse, it was really nice to see him because he's been acting like, I've been following things that he's been in going back to the 80s. So this was another face that I was very happy to see as part of the cast, even though his character is a little bit off-putting, I think. I'm going to ask for your opinion briefly, Jessica, because there's a lot more of the dad talk, but we get a quick flash to Ray drinking heavily. He masks up and starts beating up the paper dude. Were you surprised to see him don full mask, Jessica, and just start beating the shit out of a paper guy? Did we know at that point it was the paper guy? I don't think so. He just went into his apartment. You just hear from the outside him beating someone up, right? Uh, sort of I think like, so. I was like, where is... Rachel McAdams. I think for me, it was just 
really jarring to see him put on full mask and gloves. Like, it's like, this is like well, I, that's, a very questionably bad dude at this that's point. That's when he dropped rank in my Blank Mary bang, Kill bang rankings. Blank Mary Kill. <laughs> Which definitely, if you're tuning in beginning of the second episode, we're going to get Jessica's full Bang Mary Kill rankings. But yeah, I was just surprised. Dan, what did you think of that scene? You know, even after two watches, I didn't connect that he was doing the dirty work for Frank. But now talking through it, you know, seeing that some of the motivations and stuff, I get it. I thought they were just establishing him as a dick. That was my only takeaway, but it makes a lot more sense now. Three times being you know, <laughs> confronted with it. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, certainly a much sharper turn from him earlier than some of the other cops we've seen. I mean, I think Marty's almost a choir boy next to him. Maybe not in total, but in actual actions on the board, I think. And you were talking about him drinking. I think this show could be called Drunk Detective. If you take season one and all the drinking in the first episode and probably the second like, you know, they, they could all attend an AA meeting. That would be all right. Well, and to be clear, like most of the time I'm saying he's drinking because I'm like going on second and third notes. I didn't keep track of all his Coke pulls and various other things. If I saw a bottle, I noted drinking, but I didn't catch all his other activities. So now we get back to Bezaritas with her dad. She says her sister is doing porn her dad is basically what is porn anyway. And she thank guard cinema for paying customers. She's like, why won't you talk her into doing something with her life? He says he's uncomfortable imposing his will on people since 1979. He says, I think they infer, and I'm going to ask you first, Jessica, what you think about the dad and about this. I think they infer that his, her mother was an actress who killed herself in the water, but he didn't stop her. And that's part of this not imposing as well since 1979, up to and including on her mother. One, did you understand it that way, Jessica? And then two, what did you think of this interaction with the dad that didn't seem to care about the sister doing porn? Uh, Are you okay with your sister uh, doing porn? Final answer. You know, it's her life. She already does shit that I don't approve of. Do you ask your dad to intervene? Like she always, no, she always does. I don't know. She does stuff that like I wouldn't do, but it's whatever. Give people your Amazon password. I think I don't, this is all, I mean, pretty relevant today because you got celebrities. It was just in the paper well, online, Charlie Sheen and his ex-wife because he issued an apology because he was quoted by TMZ or something about being not for his daughter's only fans because she got didn't an only he only change his she... turn after tune after he like saw the financial amount she was making yeah but does he need that money he's not poor right only fans can buy a lot of tiger blood does not make nearly as much money as only dan's dan did you catch what i think i was picking up which is that her mom killed herself maybe yeah it seemed like he could have prevented her but he felt this was what she willed herself to do he says something like she could have done great things but she like walked out into a stream or something and what my takeaway was that like Annie or Annie is like the only one with a strong moral conviction and it's almost like she's overcompensating for all these people that are just kind of like floating around her and it seems to spur her into this like 
and crust, very compelled version of herself. Well, we say that, but then also it does appear like she's abusing her power and different things like that there. So it's definitely, she's presenting as something, but then behind the scenes, maybe not exactly living that. And that Ani God we looked up, Two-Faced God, maybe that has something to do with it. And Even so, I think she, when she broke the rule, it was like, because she real she believed she was trying to do good for her sister. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. So she, the dad says that she should spend less time in a state of resistance, making problems for herself. He mentions her failed marriage. Any closing thoughts on the dad, Jessica? No, just like a weirdo. Dan, anything to add on him? David Morse. So Ray goes to Chad. I couldn't, I didn't totally get why he was showing up at the school. Did you understand? He's got blood on his sleeve. Did you know what was going on there? Was he trying to pick him up and he was told he wasn't going to pick him up? Or I didn't get why he was there. That's what I thought was happening. So the stepdad's there. I think his name was Dennis, but that's totally off memory. And Ray's got blood on his sleeve. He starts asking what happens to Chad's shoes. He starts grabbing him and asking him questions. He asks for a name. Who was it? Uh, Notable quote of the episode, possibly. You fat pussy, I'll pull down your pants and spank you in front of the cheerleading squad. He did say, don't look at him, look at me, which Russ Cole also says in the boat with the duty showing the video to, or he says, don't look at me, look at me. So pulling that line together, what was your take on this scene, Jessica? I felt bad for his son. I thought Ray was way out of line and that I do think that he is, maybe his presence is worse for his son than his absence would be because his son clearly rejects him trying to reach out or really do anything he didn't even seem attached to the shoes really he wasn't that upset so he didn't mention it to ray but maybe because he knew ray would overreact but i mean and he thought he was doing good too because he's i'm gonna get this you know bullying thing taken care of but he bullied his son to do it so he's just another bully in his son's life I definitely don't think Chad could beat up his dad. Dan, what was your take on this scene? <laughs> but could dad Chad beat up your dad? <laughs> Shoes are expensive. But you really see the cracks in Ray's foundation. Like, he kind of vacillates hot and cold and violent and calm. Because, like, right after this, he's, like, talking into the recorder trying to apologize. But it seems like in Ray's world, it's kind of the normalcy has been shattered. I think going back to the whole wife rape thing and he's trying to force his will much like Annie and it's just not working. And he's just going too far and they're both breaking some of the rules and trying to do this street justice, but he's a little too unhinged. Yeah, so to me, the scene was very jarring. I think, you know, I start to wonder, I think he's like kind of sauced to the moon in a lot of these scenes. So I don't know how much his addiction is contributing, but back to your sense of normalcy. I mean, it's also very clear that he's found himself in this world where he's beating people up for money. That's how he's buying the shoes. And so everything's kind of bleeding together. Plus he saw, so just a mess. But I was like, 
I found it jarring. Wait, were they, I was. Were they special shoes? I mean, I think so. I mean, but I bought my nephew's shoes. I mean, it's special to you when you get something for somebody, especially when you don't see them all the time. But were they well, like yeah, super I think there was expensive? a gesture where he was trying to help his son be popular, be part of the in crowd. Yeah, as an adult male, you can buy shoes without. But I don't think like that's the a point. underground. Well, but but the next time he sees the kid, he would expect the kid to be like showing off his kicks and yeah. things like that. And maybe he was kind of frustrated that he felt just crapped on that this gesture went is for naught. And I'm trying to help you out, dude. I'm trying to get you friends at school and stuff, and you're just fighting it. And I hate to have you guys continually make me defend all the worst characters of the show, but I think there's also something to be said that showing his son a pattern of behavior that you have to stand up to these people and you can't just let people abuse you. Like we're assuming he was a nicer guy growing up and obviously what happened to him is not a direct correlation, but he's certainly seen a lot more in this world that he's currently in now that I think it's more if you don't nip this in the butt now what's going to happen to the next pair of shoes for example so we see he gets the name aspen conroy is he's talking That's a guy's to her- name it is yes. yeah that was funny <laughs> he what, a, what a freaking like preppy rich boy name but of course jessica remembers old aspen conroy so they get a radio call aspen. on a car he gets the address on what were you saying dan Maybe Ani wanted to lick Aspen. Good God almighty. Gets a radio call on a Conroy address in Sherman Oaks. Now we pop over to Woodrow. He comes to his girlfriend. His girlfriend tells him that it's been a week since they've last made flowers. He goes into the bathroom, uh, does not want to be soaked up in my notes, and takes a Viagra. He's in there for 30 minutes. She's bored by the time he gets out. I don't know why he didn't use the old poop before a shower excuse. And he's got Wait, scars. Is that something guys do? I will say anytime I'm ever going to go to the bathroom, I will, and I'm with somebody, I think even if I was with somebody forever, but who knows, I would turn on the shower. I don't, that's weird to me. Oh, you're saying. And I would always want to shower after. I thought you were saying that guys say that they're pooping, but they're really taking Viagra. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm just saying, why doesn't he be like, oh, sorry, I had to take a long poop and then shower. Like, part of the deal. just every day. What is he doing? Dan, what was your take on this scene with the girlfriend and the Viagras? Well, yeah, I thought the whole Woodruff thing was a little too on the nose for me. And I don't know what the scars mean. Other than here's yet another cop that we need to have some sort of trauma. You want to know how he got these scars? Jessica, what were your thoughts on this scene with the girlfriend? She was hot. Agreed. Passable. Three thumbs up on the pod so far for those who can't see this. He's trying to get that third thumb up, but he can't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Marty was sure hoping she'd come around with a thumb. So I, one other noticeable thing to me, I feel like her bathroom decor, like the butterflies around the trim, it's, you know, every single small girl's apartment decor um, may not be the exact same thing, but what's that? You've either got the butterfly or you've got like the basket of seashells that like transforms it into some sort of a coastal paradise. Yeah, I, 
Yeah, I mean, I just, I thought it was, you know, you know, basic. I've been in this apartment six months decor and trying to make it look as good as we can. And we've all been there, so I respect it. But it was also noticed by me. I did um, gray. I did a gray bathroom, but then I accidentally picked out blue paint. And then my dad painted with it. And then I, oh my gosh, I was like, oh no. And then like, he was already done with it. So I couldn't be like, this is actually the wrong color. So, because I waited till 10 minutes before Sherwin Williams was closing to get it. Because he's just got the wrong color. I got the wrong color. So it's definitely blue. So I put a sign in the bathroom that says little sharks brush their teeth and there's a little shark on it is this in your current house yeah that's my oh, okay. bathroom decor that's a good pivot that works well, it's a blue like a weathered look or a heathered looking blue so it kind of is gray and blue so hopefully that i'm riding on that sign to bring the whole bathroom together well hopefully gary jr is not in there popping the viagras hopefully he's in there brushing his teeth like a good little shark Good little sharks take Viagras. Well, we'll get that when they're <laughs> older. So we get the scene with Frank and Osip. Frank thought they had a deal and Osip isn't going to move too fast. He seems to be, is he Russian? Is that what, or is he Eastern European? All right, Russians, Eastern European. Yeah, um, exactly. So who's to say, really? Any takeaway from that scene, Dan? So I'm glad I did two watches on this because first watch... Frank's frustrated and he throws his drink cursing the town controller or mayor or the missing party. I think it was actually Ben because Ben wasn't there and he went the fuck. I thought, but I'm going off memory. Oh, see, He's like, I where the fuck be- are you? Because we've got this missing person that I thought was like a key part of the deal. Yeah, that's but that's Ben Casper and that's where he's, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I think he's thinking that's part of the, and he even mentions like, where's Ben kind of thing. So yeah. Like, watch, I didn't put everything together. Second watch, it made a lot more sense. Ray shows up at Aspen's house. He puts on brass knuckles and beats the shit out of his dad. He calls him Aspen. He says, you're going to run out on your dad. He said, take a look, he's doing this for you. And also another notable quote. One, he says, I thought that got you off, kid. And then he says, I'll come back and butt fuck your dad with your mom's headless corpse on this lawn. What was your take on this scene, Jessica? Uh, I loved it. I loved it. Didn't you? You gave it a three. I hate, I gave it a four. I, and it would have been a zero unless for this scene. Because... It would have been like a negative one because of Rachel McAdams' sister's hair. But, <laughs> but yeah, dude, it was like, who did the freaking costumes for this season? They're awful. They're so bad. Um, I don't normally notice wigs, but there is some questionable wig work in this thing. Yeah, it's, I think that, I don't know, whoever is doing the costumes is also stealing alcohol from the set because they're just awful. But, yeah, no, I loved it. I love the, like, getting revenge on the bully. And that's, you know, when someone, like, hurts someone you love and then you're like, oh, you hurt someone they love, don't hurt them because then they have to watch it happen. You know, you know, the psychological terror, like, I just love it. I think that Aspen will maybe think twice about bullying. At least that kid now. He will pick a different target now. Oh, for sure. Specific to that kid, tools. for sure. 
Dan, what were your thoughts on that scene? Well, while Jessica hated the costumes, I love the Halloween decorations. It did it did kind of tell us what time of year it was. And you'd mentioned that it was Sherman Oaks earlier. Fun fact, that's where the Brady Bunch was. So yeah, I'm I'm picturing this is a more nice ritzy neighborhood. I think I want to say in the valley or somewhere close to it. And but Ray goes way over the top. Like to a cringe point where you're like, what are you doing, dude? Somebody's got to snap you back into reality because you've gone too far. And to my point of rehabilitating Marty's character under the vast accusations you guys have levied on him, at least old Marty would have just put some soft gloves on. (laughs) I thought it was staggering that he put on brass knuckles to beat up this guy's dad. That definitely seemed like overkill to me for sure. Yeah. And describing him banging his dad with your mom's headless corpse, I also thought was uh, a fun one. And saying, I thought you got that, I thought you got off, I thought that got you off kid to a 12 year old. Also interesting to me. Back to old wood, rough wood rose girlfriend um, asking about his scars in the past. He says he can't sleep there, but he also says there's no one else. We go back to Ray in a bar. It seems like Frank's bar. There's live music playing. I didn't know the musical selection, but I kind of like the music. What did you guys think of the live music in the bar, Jessica? Where the Mexican, the scary Mexican chick is? Added to the boringness of the scene. <laughs> what did you think of the music, Dan? Well, just the whole scene was the worst sequel to Swingers ever which Jessica, I know you need to see, but um, watch it this weekend. If you remind me. Okay. If Dan watches freaky. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if that's a trade. It's so good. Swingers is pretty good too, though. Swingers is better than freaky sight unseen. Sorry. I'm going to watch freaky. We'll get there. Anyway, go back to the, so, so what was your take on this scene, Dan? It's got to be really early in the morning for this place to still be open. And I might be having my timeline off, but is this where Frank tells Ray you're supposed to drink it slow and enjoy it? Yeah, I thought we were at night, but I've got no clue and I don't specifically care. But I figured it was like after, I figured this was after the presentation, late at night, they rendezvous at the bar is how I was taking it. Yeah, because this place always seems empty. But I did think it was funny that Frank's trying to tell him how to drink it. And we've got another alcoholic detective. And he throws it back and tries it again. And he's got like some wise ass remark. I can't remember what exactly he says in that moment, but it was kind of a funny scene. Yeah, I didn't note the quote. My note was drinking excessively, but he gave him, I guess, what files he took from the reporter. He gets cash from the reporter deal, kind of describes how he was threatened. This is where we find out that Frank's actually the one that got him the lawyer. And then we see this is kind of us seeing the scar eyed waitress. For the first time, Blake tries to take the bottle when Frank leaves. So as this scene's going on, Annie's drinking at the casino. We eventually see her get tossed. The lyrics to the song keep saying, this is my least favorite life. We see Woodrow speeding on a bike. Looked like he was like trying to kill himself, but couldn't. Is that how you guys read that? This was one of the more Fast and the Furious moments. And it almost became comical a little bit 
with him like trying so hard, it seemed, I don't know, it, it didn't seem very realistic. So somehow, because of this, he stumbles into Casper's eyeless corpse. We see Bezeritas and Ray both get calls. They're both obviously drunk. So they've got to show up hammered. And I think, to be clear, I think Ray definitely did a copious amount of coke coke before this. So well, the scene here... What's up? Well, that cancels out the drinking. Oh, yeah. So maybe he's more prepared. I'm just yeah. thinking of a cop showing up to duty, like fucking with everything in his system. So I guess the kind of principle between this is we do see the detectives at the end here coming together is we've got Bezaridas, who's with the Ventura police. That's where the body was found. We've got highway patrolman who works for the state, Officer Paul, who found the body. And then this was listed as a missing person in Vinci, which is raised jurisdiction. So that's why all three of them are there together. Any other thoughts or wrap up on this episode? Any thoughts on the corpse, Dan? I thought the showdown scene, it's not really a showdown, but they're all looking at each other, standing around where Casper was found. The glances back and forth of I'm more detective than you are, it seemed kind of cheesy to me. And I wasn't sure what everybody objected to with this season. So I thought that was a little campy. Just the looks that they were exchanging and, you know, all the dick wagging that was kind of going on right there. Dick wagging callbacks always good. What was the previous dick wagging? Uh, oh, it was old. What was his name? Bruce? The old special needs dick wagger? Oh, oh yes. Bert? <laughs> Jessica? Bert. What were your take on this final scene and any thoughts on the corpse? They did the autopsy next one. So we don't see that he's like missing his who, right? No, we only, at this point, we just know that the eyes are like missing or burned or something's going on. Yeah. Well, I'll talk about the missing who next episode. Stay tuned for that. For <laughs> hoo-hoo talk. So what I will say about it, so I mean, I guess to me, if we're looking to callbacks from season one, like we've got the bird mask and kind of like the way the eye set up, we've got a posed body. So I guess those are the two things that give me a little callback or familiarity. I'm okay with the decision, but we definitely get body end of episode where season one, we get body first part of the episode. Any other thoughts you guys have before we wrap up this episode? To me, it's a lot more about the detectives than the murder. Them all being tortured, them all having vices and being abused. That's a common theme to me. Jessica, anything and to add? Their power. I don't know. Everyone keeps talking about Casper and I just don't. This is Casper who's dead? Yes, this is Casper, officially. Does Frank know? Not yet, but he gone no. But at this point, he's like, where is he? Yes, we are going to get there. Yeah, I think that's true, Dan. I think, I guess that's where I would say also the differences between the two and maybe what I liked more in the first. The first was to me a lot more mystery and suspense and about the interplay between two characters. Whereas this is more, almost more procedural and the scope is just, you know, staggering compared to the first season to me of, characters you're supposed to know who they are there are a lot of characters in the other one but you didn't need to know a lot of them as many yeah 
They weren't as uh, prominent. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Prestige-ish Media Podcast. In this episode, we covered True Detective Season 2, Episode 1, The Western Book of the Dead. I was your host for this episode, Craig Lake. Co-hosting with me for this episode was Jessica Z and Dan McNair. You can find our show at Prestige-ish Media on Instagram and Prestige underscore ish on X. You can find me at Real Real Batman on both. You can find Jessica Z at Jobless Dog Mom and Dan McNair at Dan McNair 1017, both on Instagram. We hope you will join us for coming episodes as we cover True Detective seasons one through three on the way to the season four premiere January 14th on HBO, which we will also be covering. Thank you again for listening. If you can, please like and subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms. And we hope you will join us again for another episode soon. You've got your Vince Vaughn poster ready. So you're definitely. I, I switched it up for the occasion a little you're, bit. You're so money, you don't even know it. <laughs> I'd be a little fitted. But how do I exit this meeting? <laughs> I didn't real I didn't realize you were here until you started talking. I've got it on gallery view now though.